Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, tell a friend, wear a mask, stay six feet away from people in public places, cough into your elbow, use hand sanitizer, wash your hands regularly for at least 20 seconds with soap and warm water. But if I have to talk to someone and they can't hear me, I can take my mask off and breathe directly on their face, yeah? Yeah, that happened okay. to me at Taco Bell today. <laughs> oh my god, the dude that handled me at Taco Bell. By the way, Andrew's here. No, I mean, not. if you listen to this, are episode, any of us really here? Come on, let's no. think about it. I think we talked about that last episode. We're all no, we're all thing. the same person reincarnated at different times. Hey, that's my theory. No, <laughs> my theory. I fucking came. Fuck you. I came what? up with that. No, you didn't. I'm pretty sure Tumblr came up with that in like no, 2013. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I was like, so Taco Bell, they'll stick out their uh, dick, no, uh, car reader thing where you stick it in. Oh yeah. Uh, and so you stick it in. So he held yeah, it out, and do. I was like trying to fucking aim my card and get it in there it's hard sometimes yeah it's really hard sometimes just to get it in sometimes you sometimes miss. it helps sometimes if you get the wrong you. one too yeah that's the worst uh i got really mad but it's so like i fucking aimed and got it in there it's tough and then he took it out for me he did the easy job and still put his hands on it and gave it to me and i'm like fucking all right defeating the purpose and he said something about an elderly woman coming through and him having to do it for her and i was like what and he took his mask off to say it to me. And I'm like, dude, you fucking defeated the purpose of everything you guys do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, you're not going to catch it from your credit card as long as you just wash your hands before you eat. Like, yeah. simple I, as that. I hand sanitize after every trip to something. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, this is the second episode uh, recording. Last yep. one was the last week's thing, cinematography. Yep. And this one, I'm drinking bourbon. <laughs> Which is the theme of the episode. <laughs> bourbon! <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk about something else. Uh, before we get into that, Matt, what you been up to? Um, well, probably this actual week, I've been watching many movies with my family and lovely fiance at home in Oregon. But it's... What, are you getting married or something, you fucking dweeb? Yeah. That's so cute. Four of my five best friends of all time are going to be married within a year. Oh, I don't know when you guys are. Year and a half. Year and a half. All right. I'll Our notice. tentative date is November 6th, 2021. Maybe I'll pop the question before you before your actual date. I'm not putting pressure on that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You've said that live on air. Oh, no. Dude, does she listen to this podcast? <laughs> no, she doesn't. I vehemently asked her not to listen to this podcast. Anyway. That's probably appropriate. Um, as of time is confusing, much, and ten o'clock also. Yeah, we uh we view entropy in different ways. Right. Yeah. That thing. It's all relative, according um, to that Einsberg guy. <laughs> Jesse uh, Einsberg. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, right. he was so good in the Social Network. <laughs> all right, I have done nothing. Then. Okay. I already talked about the other thing. Do you remember anything yeah, else any, that you've done lately? Things? I did a good um, job of splitting up my what you've been up to is the two episodes. You did, did not. I had one thing. I you tell me how to split up one thing. I forgot that was a thing on this podcast. <laughs> so I just didn't think about it at all. I you just don't listen. You don't sit there on edge Sunday at noon wondering where our episode is and then still sit there through Tuesday <laughs> evening when it finally <laughs> does come out. <laughs> No, you know, Matt, I spend Sunday afternoons with you, and we wait together. That's right. Matt's, like, waiting. It's like, wow, when are we going to put out the episode? <laughs> and that's always why it never goes up. That's the secret. He's <laughs> staring at his computer waiting for him to put it up. He doesn't understand time. See, it's 
All comes back. Matt is just confused by time. He has to time. wait for future Matt to do it, and then it comes back to him. That's yeah, the days of future pod past. Days of future Matt. That was the that was the obvious joke. I don't know how you missed that. Days of future Matt. Also, I'm confused all the time, just about True. everything. Dude, speaking of being confused, my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, because I. I'm just going to recommend some stuff that I yep. watched a couple months ago. Um, this movie called Promare came out, directed by the guy that made Gurren Lagann and Kill la Kill, both anime series that I love. Promare's like, there, it was going to be fucking forever before it came out to the U.S., but because of coronavirus, we got it early. Yay! <laughs> Promare, is it a primer sequel? No, it's completely on its own. Um it's a little, facetious. It's a little anime. Fuck you. <laughs> it's kind of like picture if it's firebenders from Avatar fighting po- firefighters who use popsicles and ice. <laughs> oh, how do you spell it? P R O M A R E. That explains why I wasn't finding it. And it's got so much fucking style. It is. Style. It's really just like every triggerism from all of their different series is kind of crammed into one like a lot of reused characters from other shows that like the characters kind of go down different arcs and we see it go in a different direction this is fun it's a good watch cool so cool all right you know what's a weird thing you yes andrew um don't fucking talk about it me i recommend Mm. i don't recommend i wanted to wait I, I wish we were really popular, that we were, like, genuinely influencers. Like, we had, like, hundreds, like, maybe thousands of listeners. Maybe you're not. Gosh, I've got, like, a hundred followers. I want to just, like, recommend the movie Love. Have you heard about this fucking movie? Yes. Literally what the words I said. This fucking movie. <laughs> the porn? opening shot is just two naked people fully naked the girl's just stroking his dick and he's just fingering her and it's a full unsimulated movie like the movie is like it has unsimulated sex meaning the actors actually have sex so it's porn it's but it's like it's this i think french yeah it's like belgian or something you didn't say it was a european movie it's like i i saw this fucking video it's like hey if you like this other thing you should film your reaction and watch the beginning of love like it'll take like 15 seconds because it's the first shot and it's just these people reacting like oh and it's just right there (laughs) and i was like oh what's this about so i pull it up on netflix and i and my fucking girlfriend was sitting right next to me (laughs) i was like (laughs) what the fuck I'm getting into European cinema, darling. It was, it's so like, and I just like, I kind of did the thing where I like fly through. I just kind of hit several points on the time thing. About nine out of the 10 spots I hit was just sex. Like what the fuck is the plot? Where is the plot? I think you're seeing the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, uh, The other thing. So last week I talked about the movies and shows I've been watching. This week, I'm going to talk about what I've been reading. I finished the Alan Moore Swamp thing. All of it? All of it. Holy balls, you sat down and read, son. When I talked about, like, I was like, I want to finish this series by the, by recording, I was like, I'm fucking serious. And I read a full volume a day. Wow. I sat down and I read, and I did you are, enjoy it. I think you are a literal god now. <laughs> I, I Dude, didn't. 
collecting all of the Alan Moore text just kind of brings you a little bit closer to our. I honestly, if they were to make for comics a, um, um, Criterion collection. Oh yeah. yeah. 90% of it would be Alan Moore. <laughs> yep. So it, he's the Wes Anderson. He's, he's the Wes Anderson. <laughs> it's just, and I didn't just fly through it. I actually sat there and I enjoyed it. What the fuck, Alan Moore? Like, it just... Dude's fucked up. <laughs> the There's, so, the last several, uh, last kind of two volumes are, so he gets killed. Like, they, basically, they do a thing where they, or an enemy, Lex Luthor or whatever, yeah. and, like, the, his fucking, the people that hate Alan, or hate Alan Moore, hate Swamp Thing, basically do a thing where they disrupt his consciousness so that he can't actually retreat into the, the green of Earth. So when they kill the, the avatar that he is, it actually kills him. Mm. And that was the whole thing. But it turns out he was able to launch his consciousness into space and landed on a blue planet with plants and he like kind of made himself and he like went through this whole fucking existential thing where he was like, can I just create another person, another me? And he mm-hmm. did. And he was like playing chess with him. It's like, it's a draw and a draw and a draw. And it's just him being fucking lonely. Kind of made me depressed. Honestly. It is nuts. And it's really depressing. And really um, cool. That's fun. And then, so he jumps again and then he interacts with this, uh, human character, uh, gross, um, Adam strange, who is, can transport between human and or, uh, earth and place all ran. You know who Hot Girl is? Yes. So Ran and Thanagar are like two. They're the whole. Their whole a buddy thing. Yeah. They're fighting and shit. Um. So he goes and talks to them a little bit, and then Adam Strange is like, "Hey, there's this planet with like sentient plants. Maybe they can help you figure it out." And he's like, "Cool." So he goes there. Can you imagine the problem? That might come about with a consciousness that can form a body out of plants going to a place where there's sentient plants. Is he just fucking everything? He literally makes a body out of the people. Oh. And so they, the whole the whole uh, episode or the whole issue, he's never referred to as Swamp Thing. He's referred to as the horror. It's the perspective of the of the of the species, and it's fucking disgusting. Almost like it's just yeah. like it's like. Uh, there's a character who like walking and he sees like multiple of the people just being like meshed together and like, mm. and just being kind of like a clay ball. If you just took humans and you just like mashed them together to make a bigger human, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. Fucking weird. And it kind of follows these two, two creature or these two beings that are like in a relationship and then, like, them being melded together as one, mm-hmm. they, like, ex- they all begin to share consciousness. And then they, when they all, like, they split up into, like, their own people again, they're just like, well, I've seen too much of you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's fucking fascinating. Interesting. And then he goes, and then he gets back to Earth eventually, and he just murders, brutally murders all the people that killed him. Oh. Gets his revenge. Yep. It's a little he made mean. a guy explode into a tree. He was eating a sandwich. He was like this paranoid guy. He's like, fuck, Swamp Thing's going to fucking kill me, dude. Do not, like, all the plants, all the grass is now plastic turf. Get rid of all the plants in here. I don't want to be fucking near plants. And they give him a sandwich that has a fucking tomato in it. Mm. And he, like, takes it out of his mouth, and he's like, whoop. And then the next, like, six panels is just this fucking tree growing out of him, and then he explodes, and there's just a tree with his suit on. 
That sounds like some psychopath shit. I- I've told you about that show, yeah? Alan Moore kind of like went a little nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You've told me a little bit about it. Yeah, if you want to see a dude get s- s- kind of splat or blow up like a pimple, watch the show Psychopaths. It happens in the first episode. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Fucking great run. Yeah. Um, and I want to read the rest of it. Um Apparently, like, they, they take some really interesting turns where they actually follow his daughter. He and Abby have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, mm-hmm. I did that, and then I Wait, started... Re- huh? What did you think about, like, the crisis stuff? Uh, I really liked that. That was... Have, you haven't read Crisis on Infinite Earths, have you? No. So, Andrew, just for... And I'm, I'm using you as a uh, surrogate sure. for the audience. Sure. Uh, which is always good. Useful to have one. Yeah. Uh, I like to imagine here. I imagine you're here when we're not, <laughs> mostly <laughs> for weird sex fantasies, but oh. also that. Well, the Crisis on Infinite Earths basically is this thing where like there's a big old guy that wants wants to destroy everything because his whole existence. Galactus. There's kind of Galactus came after Anti Monitor, so oh. um, so basically there's there's the positive universe that's monitored by the Monitor, and then there's the negative universe, the antimatter universe, okay. and basically his existence, the guy, the Anti Monitor. His existence is is nothingness. So his, his literally his existence is destroying universes. So the whole thing is he's destroying all these universes, just creating them, making them antimatter, destroying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the kind of the whole thing is just fighting this big guy. It's just like this physical kind of form. That's what if you read Christ on Earth, that's the plot. But Swamp Thing takes an entirely different like they delve kind of under mm-hmm. to where it's him and Const- John Constantine who's like the super australian like oh he's not australian he's british he's british yeah he's, he's british. sort of odd bit in british detective um, type but okay. and he's just like this asshole but like he's a magician uh and there's this fucking group of people that are taking advantage of this crisis to do their own thing so it's a really interesting it's the first time i've actually seen this happen because everything else all the other tie-ins are them fighting this physical, this over on the top of the world, them like punching the enemy, like the, mm-hmm. the minions of anti-monitor. But this one is like, Hey, there's that shit going on. You and I are going to handle the flip side of it on our own. And it's just this whole fucking story that is completely untold in the Christ and heaven earths. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. It was a cool, yeah. like it, it's the first time something added to that story because I've been, I've read that story a million times. That was one of the first things I ever got. And it was the first time something actually added substantial substance to it and i really liked it, it was yeah nice. it's like it's a nice it it's almost a a moral take on the punching thing it's like it's it's a lot more like psychological it's, yeah. it's really hard to describe unless you read it yeah interesting sounds up my alley dude th- this is like it's hard to recommend comics to people because every time people hear comics they're like oh fucking nerds but i'm like kill or be killed killer be killed was great i did read that yeah. that's really good that's it's a solid series fucking great and I think the Swamp Thing is, you see. I feel like I want to watch. I want to read more Alan Moore stuff because I haven't read Watchmen and I haven't read V for Vendetta. Would would Swamp for... Thing yeah. be the place to start with his work? Or so I don't think really you need. So okay, maybe yes because he was relatively unknown when he wrote Swamp Thing. Okay. So yeah. you might it might kind of like I mean it's crazy how it's, he was just this unknown British artist or mm-hmm. writer uh and they needed something to reinvigorate the series so they brought this fucking guy over from England. 
um, this was his breakout thing, and it showed how good okay. he is. Um, honestly, yeah, you can we can you can honestly skip the first issue because it's just him tying up loose ends of the previous guy's runs. Literally can, called loose ends. It's called literally loose ends. Yeah, I think. Do you have the? Did I give you the first one back? Yeah. Okay. I have to get that back. Well, I think that'd be a good one to read. Yeah. Some things. Uh, it's an. It's a really interesting character. It's a good run. Thing I worry about is like. Uh, the problem that you have with comics is that you keep reading all these fucking great comics. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you like experience the new 52 and shit, you're like, yeah, this is fine. That's all right. <laughs> but well, like, that's the norm. I read the first couple new 52 Batmans yeah. too. Those were pretty good. Well, yeah. yeah. Not like groundbreaking. Yeah. Not fantastic. <laughs> but like, that's the norm. Yeah. Sure. It's okay. really hard to get these, like this Alan Moore run of stuff. Oh, I'm uh, sure it's lightning in a bottle. You can't, you yeah. don't know what you have until you have it. Yeah. I had to take a swig of my bourbon. I know. Um, we could have filled uh, that dead time with you something productive. But you liked me being a miserable piece of shit. Anyway, so yeah, I read that. And then I started reading the uh, Hellboy short stories. Oh, I love that first I'm one. almost all the way through the first volume. The first one's fun. I was going to ask you <laughs> if you remember the pancake story. Basically, Hellboy is this guy who... Hellboy is one you could read, I think. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's all self-contained. But okay. there's like... It's big. Yeah. All right. It's so it's so rich and, and actually that would be a reason why like you should read that. Then you'll understand why I keep telling you that the first Hellboy movie is a pretty good movie, but it does no fucking scrape the surface surface justice of the story. Well, I mean Guillermo's more so trying to prove that the character is accessible to audiences yeah. in the first one. Like that's yeah. really where the new one kind of shit in the bed is disappointing because we know that people like Hellboy if they are presented in the right way. Yeah. And it just seems like that they did the absolute worst way. So the the story of Hellboy, not, I'm not going to tell you the story, but kind of the overarching thing is he, he has this destiny that is a world, like material world and hell mm. defining destiny. His what he is going to do is going to be the defining moment of both hell and mm-hmm. the earth. Mm-hmm. And in the short stories, it's just a two-page short story where he's like he's he's a kid. It's back when he's a kid, and his like adopted dad is just like, "Hey, come eat breakfast." He's like, "Are we gonna eat like noodles?" Sh- noodles. He's like, "No, you're gonna eat pancakes." He's like, "I don't want pancakes." <laughs> And he's like, no, you're going to fucking eat the pancakes. And he's like, man, he takes a bite. <gasps> I love pancakes. And then it fucking flashes to hell. And they're like, oh, my God, he ate pancakes. And the guy who's like the big bad guy is like, we are surely doomed. And it's just this fucking that's, great little story. That's interesting. It's just fucking nothing. Uh, um, some fun stuff. In there's there. some fun stuff. Fun, uh, fun fact. Um, I think it's. There's like a little sort of one-off self-contained story in the fourth volume, mm-hmm. um, just a few pages, on which uh, Mike Mignola, who's the writer, his seven-year-old daughter is co-credited as writer. Oh. Because she basically told him this story as they walked to school one day. And it's the shapes. Adapted it. The, yeah, like, it's the, the shapes. Yeah. The, yeah, it's, it's adorable. Cool. What's your favorite filler episode? Of? Anything. Favorite, uh, the Avatar Last Airbender. The um, Appa. Or no. The, uh, um, Tales of Bossing Say. Oh, Tales of Ba Sing Se. I, I mean, Matt's heard me talk about it yep. a million times. They've mentioned Ba Sing Se on the, yeah. on the show. I ba Sing like, Se is like half of a country. <laughs> it's a big-ass city. 
Uh, yeah, that one. Okay. Or or uh, if I had to go more filler to where it has nothing to do with the story like remotely, probably probably the recap from the Avatar right mm. before the last four episodes, where it's just hilarious commentary on the entire show <laughs> yeah i mean that episode's pretty good i was watching this this video discussion on like how anime typically does recap episodes every once in a while yeah and this is the best recap episode ever done because it frames it in a different way that well makes it yeah it it doesn't rely entirely on flashbacks which is great because that's the most annoying thing yep. anime will do this thing a lot where like they'll show you a flashback right when it's relevant again yeah so it's like you know you've got two characters that like they're having their their retribution moment and then it's like we cut back to several seasons earlier the last time they saw each other I'm like why do we have to go all the way back <laughs> to this much more different tone they're just reusing the same footage it yeah. doesn't fit yeah. just let me just see it just let yep. me pretend that i can remember something it was always really bad in dragon ball z when because like a fight scene would take fucking forever because half the episode would be the second half of the episode before <laughs> yeah just because they're like we don't think kids can pay attention to all this shit yeah um it's another short story in hellboy that seemed familiar when i was reading it and he's wrestling this guy named esteban mm-hmm. who was like a good friend of his that ended up getting taken over by vampires I'm like, well that seems really familiar is this something that was like covered in the in the books like, because there's a lot of times in the actual story where it's like they reference one of the short stories, just like, and they're just like tiny adventures that he goes mm-hmm. and solves a crime or solves yeah. a mystery or something. And so it was like, see the short, see short stories, omnibus volume one, this story or something. Um, and I was like, is it was it something like that where like maybe he referenced it or like he came across him again? And I looked it up, and it's in the movie. Yeah. And the thing is, so the Hellboy movie tried to cram everything of this fucking three big ass volumes of story of rich lore into one movie by cutting out everything that it deemed unnecessary, which none of it's unnecessary because Mike Magnola is the God, another God, yep. the demigod. Yeah. I wouldn't put him on the same level as Alan yeah. Moore. There's like Alan Moore tier. And then, then there's like, like Mike Magnola, like Brian Michael Bendis. void. And then Mike McNoll, Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, like, it, it's this whole thing where it's a story and everything is important to the story. Like, developing him, developing this, like, building up to what's happening and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they tried to cram that all in. But then they also spent five to ten minutes of the episode just putting in a short story that has nothing to do with the actual plot. Like, in a in a better movie... It would have been a cool, like, cold open, like, a reference to the hardcore comic yeah. fans. They're like, oh, yeah, it's this story. This is really cool. And it's like it kind of shows him, you know, doing the thing, and he solves a mystery, and he fights a monster, and this is Elboy. This is yeah. who he is. He's an established character. But but they also no. took away from a lot of the, like, the, the emotional impact of that story. Yep. Because, so, in the book, so mm-hmm. in, in the movie... He just like shows up to this wrestling match and he's like, and then the guy goes, we have a contender, the Hellboy. And he's just like, hey, Esteban. And he's like, I am Esteban no more. I am Kamazots. Kamazots. And then they fight and he's just like, hey, what'd they do to you? And that's pretty much fucking it. Mm -hmm. In the story or in the book, like there's this time where he's in Mexico and. 
and there are these three wrestlers that are basically they have a thing in a church and then they find out that they need to be fighting monsters so they start fighting monsters and then hellboy comes across them there's these three wrestling guys and the two older brothers like they're all three brothers and the two older guys he never talks to but this younger guy esteban he's like best friends with mm-hmm. that's like the only character that he really becomes like like he would say he calls a best friend he never calls anybody else kind of friends ever not really he maybe refers to um um roger as a friend yeah Maybe once or twice, but like it never really refers to anyone as a best friend. So it's like that whole thing. And then they're all sleeping. They get super drunk. They like go out and they kill the monsters and they get super drunk at night. And then there's like one night where they got way too drunk. And then Esteban heard something outside and he went outside and he got fucking taken, like disappeared. Mm -hmm. And he's like, where did my best friend go? And they spent like a year looking for him. And then they found him and they're like, holy shit, it's you. And, then, and it plays into this overarching kind of series of, like, Hellboy not being there for people when things go wrong. Hmm. And it's that emotional impact. It's like, holy shit, I let you down. Like, that's part of it. Fucking none of that in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so they just completely missed the point. <laughs> they missed the point entirely. They're that's just like, shit. we need we need a fucking cool wrestling match. Bam! <laughs> fucking piece of shit movie. She ranted about it on Twitter at Justice Losers Pod. Yeah, God, I don't want. I just, I'm. Anyway, the comics are great. That's for sure. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, any any news that we forgot about? Yeah. Um, an hour. I'll, I'll you... start off. Um, yeah. Elizabeth Banks is going to be Miss Frizzle in the Magic School Bus live yep. action. I didn't know how much I wanted that casting, but I wanted that casting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I didn't even realize this movie was happening until I saw that. And I'm like, okay, there could have been no other way. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe some... Weird Al, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> Sometimes there's just a right answer in life. Dude, Weird Al as Mr. Frizzle, though. Can we get that Elizabeth trending Banks, on Twitter? Elizabeth Banks and Weird Al? Dude, yeah. it'd be match made, made in heaven. heaven. Yeah. There you Fuck go. You. Fuck you. Fuck you. This is my house. Fuck you. I built this country. Oh, shit. My bad. Man, we are calling back to just inside jokes. <laughs> inside that... jokes from <laughs> our house <laughs> that no one else Matt has understand. no idea about. Yeah, <laughs> literally no one but you and me knows what's happening right now. But it's just important that the audience knows that this is my house. <laughs> this is my country. <laughs> just don't touch my house, bitch. Fair enough. Matt, get the fuck out of my country. Anyway. Anyway. What's the other news? Um, there's a movie with Gerard Butler that, uh, called Greenland. No, it's called 2012 to 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I got the flip too. <laughs> it sh- is it, is the full title is 2012 to T O 2021. <laughs> no, I like, no, I, I think it's just all the numbers in a row. There's no spaces. It's just two zero one two 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 zero two one. Dude, they should write it in binary. In binary, not in trinary, because that has twos. Oh, okay. Binary is just zeros and ones. Trinary has zero ones too. Okay, then that works. Dude, I fucking I was an electrical engineering minor for a little bit. I used to speak binary, motherfuckers. Is binary really something that you speak? I mean, you know. I mean, I can read binary. I know. What oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said you could speak binary. Zero one one. <laughs> Just like how I can totally speak Latin, even though it's dead. Agricola amant parwam puellam. 
That's all I'm going to say about that. Definitely not the correct pronunciation. <laughs> it. Fucking, and nobody knows. I know. No I one know knows nobody how knows. Latin is pronounced. I know nobody knows, but it's <laughs> still wrong. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just going to wait till someone look. Uh, how do you think binary is pronounced? It's like Morse code, but way faster. (laughs) Man, we need to move on. I was going to make a joke about it sounding like the Matrix soundtrack, but that's something I'd have to, like, edit in here. Who knows? That sounds like word. Who knows what the Matrix sound... Do you know what the Matrix Matrix soundtrack sounds like? Yeah. Oh. It's like... Well, it's like the trumpets are... Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Did they use synth music for the Matrix? Probably. That would make sense. I mean, I, there's like actual trumpets. What if they just the used thing? Hugo Weaving's voice as the soundtrack for <laughs> <Star> Matrix? <laughs> it's a whole bum, like bum, it's a bum, choir bum, of bum. him, but it's because it's all of the clones of him doing Dude, it. Dude, I can't wait for someone to make a movie where the entire score is scat. Scat. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like I I feel like they that's easy enough to do. If they do a thing about, uh, I think it was Louis Armstrong. Was it Louis Armstrong? Because it'd be similar to how uh, Loving Vincent mm-hmm. is all paintings in Van Gogh style. They do that because, you know, it was like, I think it was Louis Armstrong that he forgot the words to one of his own songs. So he just started making sounds and that was the birth of scat. <laughs> Interesting. So if, like, if it's a biopic about him or mm-hmm. whoever the fuck it was, the whole songs, the whole thing's in scat. Maybe. Or the first part of it's in jazz, and then there's like a little bit of scat. Mm. And then there's mm. back to... Anyway. Anyway. Um, I know they've burned me before, but I'm excited about a Star Wars game. Gosh dang it. <gasps> TIE Fighter. Or the... The Squadrons. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that on tw- uh, on the Switch? No, no it's, it's... I think uh, it's on everything. I think it's just a, a normal Dude, game. it makes me want to go back to, like, my full in-a-cave PC gaming days. Just go full fucking flight simulator, deck out, just fucking play that game. <laughs> no, I know. Like, just live in it, man. As someone who has played the crap out of a um, PC, basically, rebuild of the, uh, the Rogue Squadron mm-hmm. arcade game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... I really want this to be good. Dude, I found this game on Steam the other day that you literally are just a junk trader tearing apart spaceships. So you just are like in a <laughs> ship with like a laser cutting it into pieces. <laughs> and it's, it looks so much fun. I forget what it's called though. but Junk trader cutting things into pieces with a laser. That's something a, like that. Chunk, chunk trader. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have anything else. I had one little thing that I forgot to mention that's... I don't know, relatively timeless. Um, there's a uh, they're talking about doing Bride of Frankenstein now. That's kind of back alive uh, after the the success of Invisible Man. Um, oh, oh, the Dark Universe? Are they going to yeah. the Dooku? The, the Dark Dooku? Universe extended universe? Yeah, like Dark Dark Universe duet. No. Cinematic. Yeah, yeah. Dark duo. <laughs> it's a duo. This is, this is just a funhouse joke. Yeah. <laughs> so I have I have a couple of interesting quotes from screenwriter David Cop Cope K O E P P Dooku. I don't know. Uh, yes. 
Um, quote, I just gave Universal a new draft about a month ago and they seem to really like it and they're talking to directors. It's become the story of how we are extending our lives. Can we create life? Can we cheat death? It only gets more and more relevant over time. The big life extension work right now that's being out in Silicon Valley is overwhelming, impressive, and scary. And I feel like a present day version of that is begging to be made. You know who they should cast? Johnny Depp. No. I as the as the computer. What? Oh, transcendence. Ugh. No. I didn't. They should want to cast Oscar Isaac because he did great in Ex Machina. It sounds like the same movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um This That's is a good movie. And then there's another quote. Super depressing. Like 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 makes you makes you think. Well, for me. Sure. Kind of just like, oh, fuck, that was existential. And then I just kind of sit there in my own. Yeah, you get to dwell in it. In my just, own yeah. literal poop because I shat myself in the movie. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, another quote from him on the movie is, uh, the other thing is she is a woman who is not created but resurrected and certain, feel pe- certain people feel ownership over her. Mm-hmm. And that almost too relevant today in the era of Me Too. Uh, what are her rights mm-hmm. as a person, the person that exists if you were dead? There are a lot of interesting questions there to be raised. Is it just a mo- like an hour and a half, two hours of just someone standing, like fucking Oscar it, it, Isaac just standing there asking these questions? <laughs> I would watch Oscar Isaac just stare into camera and ask and questions. ask these questions for an hour and a half. That'd be yeah. that'd be interesting. You know, if they can make lock work, they can make that work. Yeah. Dude, it's so hard to sell lock to literally anyone that has like that doesn't watch new like. Right. nuanced yeah. movies it's not like a like, first date movie how do you describe <laughs> that movie to someone it's a dude sitting it's in a car the dude Tom sitting in a car Hardy sitting in on a the car phone for an hour and a half yeah. you, that's and a pretty good job thing ever because right i you told me that i watched it and then i got matt to watch it because i watched it before you matt know. told you, me to watch it you told you watched it first you told me to watch it i told andrew to watch it that was our first who movie told night. me about it you just discovered it. No, I didn't. Someone... I, I bet I told you about it because I'd been meaning to watch it for a long time and then just hadn't. Because mm. um, that is so up my alley. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like, I... I mean, that's if you look at anything, any of the stuff that I've been writing, that it like yeah, fits in that vein. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the sort of movie I told my mom about, and she likes watching movies and watches a lot of movies and all kinds of different stuff. And she's like, "Oh, that sounds really interesting." And I told my dad about it, and he basically watches uh, rom-coms and musicals because he's secretly a sixteen-year-old girl at heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said, "Oh, that sounds terrible." <laughs> uh, it's not entirely true, but um, he does have a habit of having hour and a half phone conversations, mm-hmm. and he likes musicals and rom-coms. And Taylor Swift. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I think you just have a sister. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, recommend watching Locke for anybody out there. Gage, you should watch Locke. I almost brought it up last episode about how it felt like it had bad cinematography, even though. Well, I mean, there's much. nothing you can do there. Yeah, I want to go back so, and watch it knowing what cinematography is now. So, no, Locke was, you know how I was saying, you know, less is more when you don't really have anything you can do. Locke stuck to the less is more principle. 
they would lock down and stick on a shot probably longer they? than they needed to. They would lock to. it on? Yeah, they would lock it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and probably for the better, because if it was fast cutting, it wouldn't have fit the movie. I don't know. It. I, I, I don't remember exactly. I remember it feel like it was felt like it was cutting too fast and kind of there were just some weird... They're like, oh, we need to put a new angle in so it'll be interesting. And Maybe. I, I mean, I Maybe didn't... I'm remembering it differently. I don't really remember the shots of Locke. It's kind of a forgettable movie <laughs> in terms of cinematography. Okay. Yeah. Um, I almost, like, actually sent a rod through your face. Okay. But not the good rod. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's what we're label labeling your job why don't now. why don't the you give rod. it to me and i'll decide if it's the good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh boy all right anyway can we get on to the actual episode topic let's now? do it hey andrew hey what the fuck is sound mix editing so sound <laughs> fuck what the fuck is sound design sound design is 51 percent of your movie because like i you know you can forgive bad cinematography, like I was saying in the last episode. Bad sound design is unforgivable. No one will watch a movie if your sound sucks. Like it, and for that reason, it is fifty-one percent. It's you know a little bit more important. It's the controlling interest of the company well, movie because sound is really when you get to kind of program your audience and tell them how to think and feel. Because sound is something like visually we're used to seeing things that are fake or wrong or you know all mm -hmm. the time in our daily life we're not used to hearing things that are, don't exist that aren't really there um so it's much more it's much more important to ah, how do i want to say this um it's okay i think i can i can help I, describe actually i want to jump in i have a point here fuck you so <laughs> I, I don't mean to brag or anything. I took a film class in high school, so I consider myself a bit of an expert. On wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I didn't learn jack squat in that class, but I had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a friend who took it very seriously, um, and I thought it was very impressive that he did. And it something that just absolutely blew my mind is he had a very simple shot of him just like running down some stairs. And he spent like four hours like aligning the sound that he wanted for the footfall for each time his foot hit. And I was like, why didn't you just use the actual sound? And he's like, well, it sounded right on this step, but then it didn't quite sound right on these ones. And mm -hmm. so I went back and I basically rebuilt the entire sound so from he, the ground up. And he I was did just like, Foley. yeah, that's the thing they actually do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. So like Foley artists will spend. So like, you know, the movie's been cut and basic like dialogue and sound is on there at that point. And they're like, okay, so we have this field of people on horses walking through a field. It needs sound. So you take a look at the scene. You're like, okay, they're walking in mud, so I need it to sound like they're walking in mud. There's armor. There's, you know, the sound of the hooves versus the people that are walking in, you know, um, armor. Um, and you basically just take every element that you see, and you even kind of think about things that you might not be seeing, like... Um, I'll talk about Saving Private Ryan here in a minute. Um, but 
There was this you... whole subplot of Matt making these fucking sounds and me just giving him this fucking disgusted and terrified face for the past like but, solid minute and a half. So really you just you're just layering all these different sounds mm-hmm. to build the world. That's really what you're doing with sound is you're building the suspension of disbelief in terms of just the world. Like Saving Private Ryan does this thing where you can hear the cannons from artillery that would have been like 20 miles off in the distance in some scenes where there's no artillery like in the scene yet at all but then like in a couple minutes you see it all come down on them and it's just like little things like that where they're keeping the world consistent from a sound perspective so something i was gonna say is comparing sound to cinematography to visuals Mm-hmm. People can see what they're seeing, but they don't know what they're hearing. Essentially, it's so it's, it's a lot easier to do subliminal things with visuals because when you're yeah. in a movie, yeah, as a viewer, you're sitting there, you're watching the movie, your attention is on the visuals, mm-hmm. so they can do shit. Yeah, but the audio that you don't know what they're doing. An example that I have, I feel like the the best idea or the best example of any sound mixing, sound design, is Dunkirk, where they use shepherd tones okay that's more music that's though. music that's yeah but different. still like the, I, I, yeah, it's I part of the like, soundscape i guess yeah yeah to, to have this constant rising you know what shepherd tone is no shepherd tone is basically this uh oh, I, can, I can actually pull up a sound later too. yeah oh it's a it's this it's a rising tone mm-hmm. but it's it's a rising set of tones where it will fade in low and rise and then fade out high. So it, it's constantly rising, but it never actually really rises. It's the same oh, thing over and over again. My piano Is teacher it... in high school described it as a barber pole. Yeah. But a oh. sonic one. So it constantly yeah, looks like it... it feels like it's spiraling up, but it yeah. doesn't actually. It's just the same thing. In like, oh, yeah. interesting. There's that. There's uh, putting and putting using shepherd tones and stuff with the sound of the airplanes. Mm-hmm. So making the airplanes and having that specific sound make it terrifying. Mm-hmm. The just, like, within the first five minutes, the deafening sound of gunshots hitting the the wall next to you. Stuff like that, where it's like, you're watching it, and you're like, ah, it scared me. But, like, the mm-hmm. sound is really what made it scary. So, I'm going to be real. I When I watched Dunkirk, it was through a pair of headphones. So, probably oh, not the best uh, sound experience. We saw it in an IMAX. Yeah, I'm sure oh, that was better. Jizzed everywhere. It was loud. They're still cleaning up my cum from the fucking Warren <laughs> IMAX theater. Yep. <laughs> but um, I'm I mean, sorry for putting that on the internet. No, that that would be a, an example of sound design. Um, I would say probably a better example of like a good sound design movie is the original Blade Runner. 2049 is also quite exceptional, but, mm-hmm. but Blade Runner, because like the effects in Blade Runner look pretty good. Like, they believe, you believe it. But if it didn't sound right, you wouldn't believe that any of this is real. And that's kind of where you're more willing to believe that something is real in the world visually than you are necessarily tonally. I have an example of where that may have gone wrong. What's that from? Is that Java? Nah, it's fucking Transformers. Oh. That stupid, yeah. terrifying sound you're watching Dude, is like, that's not the sound machines make! <laughs> if they spent a little more time coming up with a more organic and pleasing sound, Transformers might be Oscar-winning movies. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to... At least in sound design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sound design. 
Yeah, um, I mean, if that yeah, happens. no, I was I was having this discussion. Mark accidentally roped me into a philosophical discussion the the other week. Um, <laughs> so, Good on you, no, Mark. Well, him him and I are on the same page, so we oh. go immediately to the five percent that's interesting. Matt and I have <laughs> have conclusively found the thing that we like very much disagree on, and that's like the the use of philosophy, <laughs> mostly useless. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we were so Mark posed me the question. <laughs> Mark posed me the question a couple weeks ago. Um, why is music so much more like, um, like raw, viscerally, emotionally arresting than visual arts, like paintings? Oh, well, so you literally, when you're composing, you are telling the audience how to feel. Yeah. Like, that, was, that is the express purpose yeah. of the score. So that was case, one of my points. In case the audience doesn't know how they're supposed to feel, the music will tell you. Yeah. I, I had... Wanna... I had... Sorry, I just want to... Okay, go ahead. I'll tell my thing after you say your thing. I was going to say, I had two points. First mm-hmm. one was exactly that. Okay. The composer has a lot more control on the exact experience of mm-hmm. the audience. Um, the second is that... Think about how the senses are actually, like, applied. Vision is a very objective sense. You see mm-hmm. an object. This is what it looks like. This is where it is. You get a sense of, like, okay, this is what it's going to feel like. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to do. Sound is a much more interpretive sense. You hear something, and you have to consciously... Or subconsciously, you have to be like, okay, what is that? Where is it? You're you're thinking about it. It, it engages your brain in a more active way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when you're listening to music, your your brain is more attuned to um, interpreting and interacting mm-hmm. with the music. I think. I wonder if any of that has to do with the fact that you experience audio. Like you hear things before you see things because you can hear things when you're in the womb. You develop your sense of hearing. I think it's just an evolutionary thing. You know, you're maybe yeah. like you hear humans... like a crunch and you're like, fuck, I'm going to die. Cause there's a lion next to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well humans, humans still have to like an eyesight first species. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you see, and that gives your objective picture of the world. Mm-hmm. Everything else is more interpretation. Yeah. And, but I do want to understand, but we do (laughs) how you like that sound design audience. (laughs) Um, but like the, our sense of hearing was developed more as like a way to protect ourselves. So it's almost heightened in terms of how it affects us, Mm -hmm. um, reactionally. Okay. Yeah. So it would make a lot of sense that since you are such, you're much more, um, reactive with hearing things than necessarily seeing things. Because, like, think about, like, a fly going past you. You're immediately on that thing. Yeah. Sometimes a fly will, like, start drifting through, and you're like, oh, that thing, you know? Yeah. Right, okay. That's a, that's a good point. Because, like, you know, with cinematography, I guess I should have said this in the cinematography thing. Another thing uh, cinematographers will do is work with the fact that your eye automatically goes to one of two things in a screen, the brightest thing or someone else's eyes. So if you're trying to or direct, boobs. well, or boobs, <laughs> usually you light the boobs and make it the brightest thing. But, you know, if you're trying to get your audience to be looking at a certain side of the screen versus the other, you can do that with light or by placing their eyes prominently in the frame there. I want to say, like, this has very little to do with sound design, but when we were in New Orleans, we walked past that art shop and i did think this like i we walked in the arch and i was like hey, let's just let's, fuck it. let's just go to the arch 
first off, we're stupid and we weren't drunk. But just uh, stupid. <laughs> stupid. Uh, and we walked in and I locked eyes on this painting that it was this everyone that was with us locked eyes on this painting it was this bright red just the whole thing oh, was just not my fr- it's not my phone background anymore it's like it's bright red mm. everything except for like a boat that's this like piercing blue mm. and it's like like the whole the whole thing was maybe probably four or five feet wide mm-hmm. and like four feet or three or four feet tall and the boat is like six inches wide it's super small, but it's just this. It's the vastness of the red. Fucking, like, piercing was, color. Okay, yeah. yeah, here's here's the the painting, but it is it is so much more effective when it's, like, five feet by oh, five feet. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. yeah. And I just, like, I was standing in front of this. And mm. There were, like, five of us in that group, and all of us just stood there for, like, a minute, just mm. like. Like, how the fuck? <laughs> and it, it's crazy that, like, I don't, I I haven't gotten into art and been able to like identify. Oh, this this is the the the, the crutch of humanity. I don't fucking know. Uh, but like, <laughs> crutch of humanity. I Modern like art is all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, oh my god, this is captivating, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But I, that's I just what a like. Mark was like, why is audio music so much more like? I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm saying there's an example of one where I have felt emotions from that fucking picture yeah. that I've not felt with a lot of music. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's fair. It's not a universal statement by, by any means. Yeah, sure. But, man, I really wanted to, they had like, so it was like the big painting and mm-hmm. then like there's a whole series. They're all basically the same thing, just kind of slightly different pose for the boats and little guys there. Yeah. And I really wanted to buy like one of the small ones and I mm. looked up the price and it was like $4,000 oh for one of the small ones. It's Dude, one of those things art, where like if you have to inquire, it's too expensive. Art is stupid expensive, man. <laughs> yeah. Man, if anyway. I were if I were like, I don't know, if I'd written the Great American Novel and had three or four thousand dollars to throw around, I would have sure. walked out of that shop with that painting that yeah. day. So sound design. Yeah. Anyway, sound design. It's, it's cool, cool painting. Oh, uh, we can post it on Instagram. Yeah, I still haven't posted the fucking our stupid hats. This I'm is gonna to... this is gonna be like a call ahead reference by a week. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no, sound design is cool. Uh, Blade Runner is good. Did you know that the first movie to have stereo sound was Star Wars? What does stereo sound mean? So stereo is, you know, left and right, two different channels. Okay. It's um, our uh, – um, we're stereo sound. We're stereo. Yeah. That's cool. Because, um, like, you know, you can love or hate George Lucas, but he did a lot to move the entire field of sound design forward huge steps. Mm. Um, cause like before, cause he started THX, which they also ended up developing the methods for surround sound, um, and shit like that. Yeah. You remember the fucking crazy opening at the beginning of their movies. Yeah. Oh, um, THX. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen like the, the, uh, well, you, well, you know how to read music. Have you seen the staff of that? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so cool. That's actually written. Like he actually wrote that down and was like, "These are detuned." Like and mm-hmm. has like, s- like notes about which each of them need to be like detuned. It's so cool. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, Ben Burt, hmm? Star Wars sound designer Ben yeah. Burt. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he did a lot of cool shit, man. Yeah, he's like the the Roger Deakins of of sound. Sound <laughs> kind of. What's Preston staring at? Is there a ghost? I have a coworker named Ben Burt. 
Oh, do you think he's the same guy? You see the guy that was figuring out what TIE Fighters sounded like in 1976 yeah, or so? Yeah, just go ahead, grab like a vacuum cleaner tube and just start swinging it in the air and see if he like notices. Is that what that is? That's the lightsabers. No. Oh, the whoom whoom yeah, sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember whoom. watching them like the, figure out the... The TIE Fighters like a toaster or some shit. Something <laughs> weird. No, it's like they flies by as a It's um, it's something mounted to like either the front of the car or an airplane, and they're just going really fucking fast, oh. and it's the air pressure. Yep. Yeah. I That's interesting. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of I think there's like a, a lot of sound design in the Lord of the Rings. Would would a woman in a cemetery screaming bloody murder be considered sound design um if it's in a movie yeah fuck yeah that's what happens in one of the rings we talked about what? that there's a one of the things they had like uh like for people being killed mm-hmm. and stuff they would have like they had a couple female uh, uh fran fran walsh fran walsh would yeah. go out to um out to a cemetery outside of a town and just like scream mm. like she was being killed and they had like they had to like notify the police it was like hey if you're getting calls of someone screaming from the cemetery <laughs> at fucking one thirty in the morning why did they have to do it at the cemetery because they wanted that certain bounce of the of the audio oh, dude it's so cool to hear about all the sounds from the animals like the monsters they yeah had. no there's they had, like so a cool. tiger sound in like this big tunnel underground to get the uh cave troll mm-hmm. yeah like a lot you know, of really cool do shit. you know how they got the uh the t-rex sound for jurassic park mm-hmm they had like a couple different animal roars. I think um, tiger and yeah. something else. And they said, okay, it's not powerful enough. Let's put a 747 taking off in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you listen closely, you can kind of parse that all. Oh, apart. I mean, they'll do stuff like that all the time. I'm trying to remember. There's a movie where they, there's like, whenever they slam a door, they put a gunshot sound in there mm-hmm. just to add emphasis to it. Because the sound yeah. design, like, you have your diegetic sounds, which is everything that's occurring in the actual movie. And then you have all the sound design, which is extra stuff that they put in to give it a certain amount of feel. This is actually something that's its not in movies, but it's actually in real life. They design the sound of the way everything in a car works. Yeah. The sound of a door closing is very specifically designed. Like the how much of the engine you can hear. They can fully soundproof your fucking car if they want to. Mm-hmm. But they let you hear the car engine a yeah. little bit. It's like to know that it's working. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking crazy that they will design the way your door closes to make it a certain sound. I like the sound of car doors closing. Yeah, I wouldn't trust a door if it didn't make the right noise. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to (laughs) die. It's a Decepticon. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're from a different planet. They wouldn't know what our car doors They wouldn't know. They have lighting. (gasps) That's how we find the Decepticons. We just start. Transformers 8, yo. That means we're going to get through two more of those things? No, that means that they have to make seven more because they rebooted it with Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Sound design in movies. So, uh, speaking of diegetic sound, mm-hmm. like, how how much of diegetic sound is, like, intentional and they're really carefully calibrating to be in the movie? Um, I mean, I imagine it varies, sound? but... So diegetic is just what's occurring in what the characters in the movie would be hearing. 
gotcha. think of it like that. Um, and I mean, you know, they'll tone it up or down. Um, a good example is uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, not Sleeping. When no. Another time. What's uh, you've got mail? You've got mail. Mm. Don't know why I'm on Sleepless. <laughs> sleepless in Seattle. Um, <laughs> you got mail. Um, there's the coffee shop scene and you would expect, like they start off half the scene, you hear like all the clanking at the tables and then when they sit down, all of it kind of fades away and you stop hearing it Mm. because that's just kind of, it's no longer relevant information. You know, the audience gets the point. You want them to be focusing on the conversation, not all the background noise. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of isolate them a little bit once they move into that setting. And that'll happen a lot. Like you'll hear cars going by mm-hmm. every now and then, but not all the time on streets and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So okay. like you just kind of pick and choose. If the diegetic sound is working for you, you keep it. If it's not, get rid of it. You yeah. Know? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess going on the theme of diegetic sound, um, a lot of times in movies when they change scenes. Um, the sound somehow it feels like it it sort of continues but then every now and then there's a movie where like it changes scenes and the sound changes um so i get i think no country for old men is kind of an example for that it's like it's subtle but it just it, it feels slightly different it's like suddenly you're picked up and dropped in a different room and the air conditioning sounds different or something oh um well so i mean that so usually you record what's called room tone mm-hmm. um which is just you get everyone you have to have all the people that are in there when you're shooting to be in the room when you do room tone mm-hmm. because it just changes the acoustics to make mm-hmm. sure that all the cameras are on even though you're not using them right and you just record the raw sound of how the room is okay and you just put it in the scene with it because it just helps the room sound real okay and so i would imagine someone like the cohen brothers would be like hey we could fuck with this a little bit give it a feeling a real life example of doing that is actually like uh at church when we play in the praise band Mm -hmm. there's we have mics out in the house right that you we will turn up in your ears so you get a little bit of that that room sound because otherwise you feel isolated and it's Mm -hmm. weird and it can actually fuck with you when you're playing Mm -hmm. Um, they'll do that in like live performances they'll actually like they'll have a mic out at the sound booth okay and they'll actually have that putting into the performer's ears so that they can hear kind of the the overarching sound unless there's yeah. a fuck ton of echo in which case they don't want that yeah yeah well that happens okay. interesting cool look yeah. at me knowing sound engineering yeah. Woo! yeah and i mean um another thing is with diegetic is sometimes like you know baby driver the music is diegetic yeah in the whole thing mm-hmm. and then you really get into which that movie is just great to talk about for sound for so many reasons because it's also a little bit of editing with the sound, mm-hmm. which is just a great technique. It's great to see it used and done well because like not everyone does it well. Yeah, like it's very common for music videos to try and you know edit to the beat, and it just doesn't work. You're like, you didn't need to cut there. Yeah, <laughs> dude, there's so much to that. Like that fucking walking scene in Baby Driver. Yeah, dude. Where it's like babe. walking, the lyrics are behind him and shit. So yeah, good. which I can't remember. Are those digital? Some of them are. Some of them are Probably. real, I think. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Man, I could just sit here and listen to you talk about Baby Driver sound design all night long. Maybe. Dude, Baby Driver's got some good music, too, man. That playlist fucking smacks. <laughs> <laughs> Bell bottoms. Dun, dun. Anyway. Anyway. Dun, dun.
Um, what else? Quiet Place. Oh, that is a soundtrack sound movie. So Quiet Place. I watched the um, uh, lessons from the screenplay video about a Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have much of a screenplay. Um, so apparently they the way they wrote it is they basically wrote the sound mm-hmm. and they wrote like what things should sound like and when things should be big and loud and emphasized when things should be really small and quiet. Interesting. Um, I just kind of wanted to no, that's cool. say that. I guess I don't know. Do you know any? Have you? Oh, no. I mean, my experience with sound is just trust what people tell me. <laughs> um, I will. I am a director that I will give my sound guy complete freedom. I'm like, do what you think works. <laughs> is there? I, I mean, is there anything that you noticed in Quiet Place that's good or bad or? No, I mean it's a pretty. I mean, it's pretty standard. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like the, it's it's very hard because I don't have an ear for the sound the way I do mm. an eye for the visuals. So uh-huh. sound for me, it has to be really good for me to notice. Okay. And Quiet Place, like, I remember being very thoroughly enthralled into the movie, but I personally was having some suspension of disbelief issues with the movie as a whole. Mm. And the sound didn't – it definitely helped keep me – you know, in my seat and engaged in the, in the movie. Yeah. Which is, you know, a good thing. That's, that's a big strength. (laughs) Nice job. But I guess it's a movie where you put the sound design on display and as long as it does its job, then it holds up. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Uh, any last comments? I feel like we're all losing energy because we've been recording for fucking three hours. Yeah. And it's an hour, we're at an hour mark, so we're ah. good. We we've hit our okay. Fuck yeah, filled our quota. A lot of a lot of tangents early on. Ooh, I can. I'm just gonna throw one last thing in there. Um, talking about score a little bit. Sergio Leone, you know, the guy that did Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some really interesting sound techniques because you know he. First off, he was making American movies with Italian actors and just having it dubbed over afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so like. First off, that kind of ADR with that technology, kudos to him for seeing that project through. I would have probably – I'm a much weaker filmmaker than Sergio <laughs> <laughs> You know, that that's some dedication. But also, like, um, he actually would design his shots for the music he intended to put behind him which is very uncommon nobody music is probably the last thing that gets done but for him it was where he started because he's like this is the emotion of my scene and so like Morricone, he would, baby so he would actually play music on set um which i think actually he, for sometimes he would have like an actual musician just behind the camera playing to the tempo of what the score was gonna be just so that way the cameramen and the actors are all syncing up to the same music Interesting. And it really shows, especially in um, Once Upon a Time in the West, Mm. where the music in that movie is just fucking great. Yeah. It's just Sergio Leone. It's his best, in my opinion. Yeah. Something that I think Hans Zimmer's Sherlock Holmes soundtrack rips Once Upon a Time in the West off. Mm. If I remember right. Mm. That's a good soundtrack. Yeah. 
but it's because it's ripping off Sergio Leone. I mean, yeah. Sergio Leone would probably be the last person to complain about someone ripping off because his biggest movies are just ripoffs of Kurosawa <laughs> films. So, like... Yojimbo, anyone? <laughs> well, and Sanjiro. <laughs> and then the other guy stole Magnificent Seven from yep. Seven Samurai, and it's just yep. all thievery. Yeah. Art is dead. Art is thievery. Well, Westerns are bullshit. That's the real. <laughs> yeah, they're just less good samurai movies. All right. Uh, all right. Anything else? That's it. Shall we? We shallst. Shallsteth. That's right, Matt. Fuck, Fuck you. I, I'm, I'm not going to let you do it. Okay. Not you, when I'm here. Okay. Then you got to do it. Um, follow us on Twitter at Justice Losers. Um, we're on Spotify. You messed it up already. Um, Apple Music and SoundCloud. Um, and <laughs> there's, there's an Instagram. Um, don't follow it, though. You, I wouldn't. Don't do it. You are better off following my Instagram, <laughs> a underscore w underscore Johnson or rem film, um, which actually you know, you should just subscribe to my YouTube channel, Andrew William, and uh, fuck off with all the money. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? Good enough. All right, we'll take it. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 And they didn't give me music. This is a gavel. Oh, God. That's going to sound terrible. That was a, that was quite a sound. That, Yikes. Yeah, maybe give it a lighter <laughs> you tap. You mean two spikes? <laughs> <laughs>